0: Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. I'll just give a little background. Uh, I started coming to OA meetings in uh, two, in um, 1980 and um, I've been going on and off since then. I've got moved into other programs, but OA was my first 12-step program. And uh, this is the result of uh, lots of uh, tooth damage from uh, binge vomiting and many sizes of uh, pants. So today, I have <laughs> I have another tooth. And uh, I'm working on implants and I've been taking care of my teeth regularly. And today I don't have four sizes of pants that I had to change every six, every three months. And today I have a food plan and I have, um, a, uh, a plan for living. And I go to lots of other 12 step meetings because to me, all of these are down to the core of shame and self-loathing and that we eat and drink and smoke or whatever it is to uh, get rid of the feelings. And so the plan is to feel the feelings. So um, briefly, my background is that I, my parents were moderate eaters, but they were, um, they were really bright people. They came from very humble backgrounds. My father's father worked for the uh, Burlington Railroad and the dining car but they did really, my father did really well because he was really smart. So um, they didn't drink. They, we had peanut butter sandwiches when we were traveling in the back of the car. It was, we had brown bread. I thought white bread was some kind of incredible, you know, (laughs) treat. And um, I went to a Quaker um, boarding school where we, it was a farm school in Iowa where we made all our own food. There was only one staff member. It's like $500 a year. And we had a farm and we cooked. So the food wasn't a problem, but my self-worth was a problem. And I was, I would steal homemade bread from the bakery. That was the big thrill, eat it. And my little, my first roommate said, if you want to say, get weight, then you, if you want to change your weight, then just throw up. So I started binge vomiting when I was about 12. And um, then um, by the time I was getting ready for college, I was incredibly suicidal, I had no idea I had to do with it. Looking back, I think that my my father had a photographic memory. He was really smart. He was always kind of ahead of whatever he did, and he was academically really really good. And I was very dyslexic. I couldn't get out of typing class. So I think a lot of the self-loathing and the wanting to check out any way I could, which was through food, was um, because I have a terrible memory and I'm very dyslexic and the visual world is my world. And um, I didn't understand that. My parents didn't understand what to do about it. And I think that that's what You know, they say in programs that we self-medicate. So that's what I was doing. Um, It got worse in college because I discovered drugs and alcohol and um, flunked out of school. And finally, my parents said, if you ever, I was 19 and I was floating around Europe working in a pottery after bicycling for months. And my mother said, if you want any more money from us for college, because my father had a scholarship for for people for the children to go to schools. So he said, you better go soon because we're gonna go to another school and they won't have this scholarship. So I got a ride share and came out to California to College of California College of the Arts of Cal California, at the time, um, and uh, started art school, which was really my salvation. So One of my tools has been to do what I love. And what I love is art making and working with my hands and uh, going from eye to hand or eye to visual. Um, So it got worse. I taught art in Oakland at a high school and the self-worth didn't go away. And uh, I ended up getting into a big car accident in 1979. And the doctor, was very smart he said you have to change your lifestyle and i said what i don't know what i'm doing and it would been it had been just eating vomiting drugs alcohol whatever uh running too much to lose weight i was always trying to gain or, or so i ended up in the programs ended up in the hospital with a concussion in 79 and by 80, I start, I went to an OA meeting and I don't remember it was in East Oakland. And then I started going to those meetings on telegraph and, um, I lurked in the back cause I didn't have a problem. And, uh, after four years of trying to follow a food plan, I got a man sponsor because I couldn't find a woman that would handle me because I'm so bloody stubborn. And he was in AA and, um, after four years, it's like, I can't follow my food plan. I can't get off sugar because I'd gotten, you know, I had no sugar when I was a kid, but by the time I was in my twenties, I was just like medicating with sugar. And, um, he said, keep track of how much you're spending on food. So it turns out I was spending like a hundred dollars a day. Sometimes on food, I would go to all these fast food places. I get it. I'd eat it and I'd throw up and then I go get more. And, um, so he, he said, you know, um, it costs a lot. So that really, that really startled me how much I was spending on food. And, um, then the accident was kind of the end. And, um, I had quit my job teaching and I started uh, graduate school in the arts and, um, I found myself in the bathroom of the school, throwing up again. And again, I think my top weight was 190, I weigh 135 now. So I was up and down and I was just a big woman. Um, so when I got in the program, here are the tools started. The first one was um, follow a food plan. The question was, what kind of food plan? So I tried this one and I tried that one. And I went to, I got, um, uh, I didn't have health insurance at the time. And I tried somebody else's food plan, another one, and none of them seemed to work. But my neighbor's wife was dying of diabetes and had had her toes cut off. And And so I realized one time a student saw me in the car after class when I was teaching and I was stuffing cabbage into my mouth because I wasn't going to eat sugar that day. And I just couldn't stay away from that. I'd have anything but sugar, but I kept going. And finally, after four years, he said, look, Mary, how many times have you thrown up? And I realized I hadn't been binge vomiting. So that was about... 1981, 82. And then the next tool was to find a flu plan that works. So I joined a gray sheet group and there were four, five women that I'm still in touch with which is extraordinary, you met every week. You couldn't share unless you had followed your food plan. And I needed that structure and we weighed and measured our food. I met my partner who I was with for 32 years before he died and the first time I met him, I dragged out my scale at the restaurant and weighed my food. I got to see all the boundaries with my family when I went back to visit because my father, I would like four ounces of four ounces of protein and he'd like load up the scale without, he just, my father couldn't follow. So another tool was learning about boundaries. Um, then I went to, I finally got a teaching job at a university and I got some really good health insurance. So I got some, a lot of food plan help and uh, discovered that, you know, I do need some carbos. And um, so, one, so one of the tools I think has been following the food plan that works for you. And I'd say that for the last um, 20, maybe through 20 years, I've had a food plan that kind of works for me, and um, it involves no sugar, no white flour, and um, no alcohol, and um, what else? Lots of exercise. Exercise is part of my food plan. That's 10. Maybe. Let's see. So it was a long, it took a long time. After those, how much? That's 10. 15? No, that's 10. Um, it took a long time. Uh, oh. um, okay, it's 10. So it took a long time for me. What did you say? I think there might be a little bit of a lag, but that I'm just saying that's 10. So it, you, it sounds like you got it. Okay. Um, so I would say that. I didn't really get how to do the food program till I got into AA because my, my sponsor said, look, I can't handle you. You got to go to AA too. I think I was also growing marijuana for my boyfriend who was married to somebody else at the time. And, um, so I started going to, AA. And you know what? That was so easy because you have a bottle and then you don't. You put away the bottle. With food, you have to eat food every day. You have to deal with it every day, just like you have to deal with money and emotions. With alcohol, you can go, put it in the, put it down, pour it down the drain, take it out of the house. It's done. So for the first time, I had this ability to say, I've done well today. I didn't have a a drink. So with a food, uh, that's the goal with a food plan is I've done well today. I followed my food plan and I've gotten better about how to do that because I have a food plan that I think works for me. I'm pretty darn healthy nowadays considering my age. I'm 73. And um, I uh, so what are the other tools? So I had to learn about the steps. And um, I had to learn that the steps involve trusting somebody else, finding a sponsor. I had a number of sponsors. I've had about six sponsors. Um, the first sponsor was smoking. I don't smoke uh, now. And um, she was smoking on the couch, and I was just giving her this. And then she took the cigarette and she said, Let's burn the first stuff. <laughs> We burned the whole thing after I read it. It was kind of like, yeah, it's done, gone. So that was the first, first step I did. But I've done many other four steps since then. And the idea of trusting somebody else, telling them your faults, telling them about the bulimia, I'd never told anybody, not my parents, nobody um beginning to discover that my eating disorders had to do with my inability to read and dyslexia that um the shame of not being as good or being able to keep up with my family and the people that um, were in the academic world that my father was mother were in was just important to share with somebody and then I didn't really do the eighth and the ninth step till I was like twenty years in um, another in other programs, and I never really did it in OA. And I highly recommend that the um, as that the eighth and ninth step are very very important tools. I hope I'm interpreting the tools the way we're supposed to. I think the steps are the kind of basis of our program, and. Um, being able to make amends and not only to say, I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry I was so spaced out that I forgot that meeting with you where you waited for four hours out in the rain in New York City when we were supposed to meet. You know, Just things that I'd forgotten about. But instead of saying, I'm sorry, saying I am now recognize what I did and I am not gonna do it anymore. I'm taking responsibility and I am saying that I'm going to do it differently, that I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm going to show up if I say I'm going to show up. I'm I'm not going to be so spaced out and so out of it. Um, I did when I was uh, in my using when I was 19 or six, 7 to 18, The SAT tests, I spaced out and I stopped in the middle. I fell asleep on the counter because I was so, I'd eaten and binged so much and um, I got like 600. And so I took the test again, trying to get into school and I got almost 900. So guess what? It's like, if I understand those issues then I can do something about them. what's another tool that I use? I use, I call people. I do some service. I'm involved with about four 12-step programs. My current one is Clutterers Anonymous. And a lot of the people in that program um, have been in, other, in OA or AA. And um, to me, what we're, I'm looking for is the deep down cause of my loathing and shame, which is what caused me to eat and to reach for food instead of dealing with issues. And um, so that's been a big part of my tools is to uh, look for the underlying causes. Uh, I pray. I had memorized a lot of prayers. Um, so what is the value? That's 15. OK. The value of prayer is that it takes your mind away from the rat circle of just on and on and on and on and on and on. It's like prayer is like, God, help me. Let me do it differently. That's it. Thank you.